What's up? Hey. Welcome to What's the up? Bitcoin podcast. Hey, welcome. So hold on what? for now. Hold on for it's for now. I thought it was for life. He said, hold on for now. For now. Okay. When do you let go? Does he? I don't even I know. It was hold on for life, but I guess oh, it is oh, I'm, now. I'm thinking HODL plus. It's hold on for now. Interesting. Interesting. A hold on for life. is stupid. That's very true. That's very true. Except I'm, I'm gonna dump a bunch of money into something I'm never gonna spend. Yeah, like well, let's start this, <laughs> let's start this episode hot. Let's come in hot. All right. Because people that are hodling forever, like I don't know, one to three percent of them are actually as wealthy as they dreamed they would be. Ninety-seven to ninety-nine percent of the rest of everyone don't have diamond hands like that. Hodl really taps into that like middle-class American mentality of I'm going to be rich one day. Yeah. And they're not. Mm -mm. No. So like most people who like believe in a lot of rich people mentality because they're going to get rich one day end up like defeating like a lot of their potential for becoming rich by maintaining that mentality it didn't work for joe joe's joe's using that mentality just fine joe (laughs) no he's not just like he's not just holding he's using money joe puts joe puts in work bro people like the people who maximize their current potential and don't just like like diamond hands is stupid yeah i mean jeff bezos diamond handed amazon no he didn't Jesus had utility like people who are just buying things and don't understand what they're buying and they hold through uh, you know what I mean like oh, now. guys we're starting episode two uh, people don't even know who the fuck we are hold up back out care. back out welcome to the bitcoin podcast this is episode 362 all right I'm host the talks first D or the Fergalotti but you call me D I am uh, another host Dr. Corey Petty and I'm the third host Jesse Broke Jesus Christ, we were coming in hot. Coming in we were, hot. We were coming in hot. Um, you know, before we get into that very good conversation about, you know, HODL Plus versus HODL and some other topics we had described. And of course, we had an interview this week with Crypto Blades, 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 Blades. blades. Get your Crypto Blades, Blades. Anyways, um, and we're actually going to do an unboxing today. An unboxing of the Lawmore 
4.0. So this episode is is actually brought to you by the Lawnmower 4.0. What's the Lawnmower 4.0? It's not some brand new automated lawnmower that takes care of your lawn, so you're don't so you don't have to or are too lazy to. It's a nut trimmer. Okay, it trims nuts, and um, it could it could trim bush too. That's true, but I don't think that's what they're going for. That's not their marketing. It's most definitely definitely not their marketing. But it could either did or did not read the copy. But we were. (laughs) But they. So here's the deal: if you go to manscape.com, put a bunch of stuff in your cart, and use the code TBP and Smooth. You can get a lot more 4.0 or much, much more, but you do get 20% off on that purchase. And for those of you that know the maths, 20% off is way better than 10. It's actually twice better than 10. So that is that is for you guys. We did that. For it you is guys. four-fifths yeah. the cost. Yeah, let me tell you, it was actually out of 20% went. They were like, hey, give them 10%. I said, no, Manscaped. They want 20. Give my people 20. And they said, okay, deal. And I was like, huh. That was easy. Should ask for 25. <laughs> uh, so instead of us like reading a copy of like, hey, this is a little 4.0, we're actually just going to unbox one for you right now before we get into the crypto content so you can see what this puppy has to deliver, right? That's definitely one of those situations where we took a sponsor and we're like, yeah, we got to use it. Um, so they sent us some. Mm-hmm. And Jesse has not opened his yet. Well, he's partially opened it, it seems. Yeah, I've opened, I've opened the cardboard box. I use mine. I use mine. What do you think about it? You like it? Uh, it was great. It did, it, it did the job. I've got to say, we'll get like, well, Jesse will show it, I think, in the unboxing when we get to it. But like the a little LED light, I was real skeptical at first. And then I used it and I was like, mm, this is very convenient. Isn't it though? I can, it, it highlights the hairs, it, it helps me understand what I'm trying to cut and I can be more careful. Yeah. Especially in the places you want to be careful in. Yeah. Cause you and know, the girl's to... never going to tell you you messed up shaving down there ever because they're so women. I, mean, so I don't care nice. about that. I don't, I don't care about that. I care about nicking. Me I don't want to nick. I don't care about that. Either. I'm not trying to get nicked. I'm trying to like, give some better women around here. Yeah. <laughs> care, about, care about that. Care about that. All right, let's move. Let's let Jesse unbox this thing. Show 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 him right, show him the right. experience. Here we go. Opening it up. No, unboxing keyboards. keyboards. <laughs> Here we go. It's not keyboards. We're not unboxing keyboards. <laughs> we're unboxing. So here's the box that it came in. Right. Look, we're not doing this right. We're, we need to be milking this more. Look at the walnut grain this man has going on. Nah. All right. There's the box. It's not the box. That's a shipping box. It's a shipping box. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the actual product. There it is. Uh, I don't know if you can see it or if I should flip it around. That's the right way. Yes, there do that. And so this is what they, they sent to me. They sent me a shirt too. So you got you got shafted. Don't show that. That's got your address okay. on it. Uh, uh, yeah, that would be not good to show. All right. So we got, uh, we got some boxer briefs, which uh, have you guys tried them yet? Yeah, they're very comfortable. Uh, Okay, so they're comfortable, but this like, is I'll, I'll, that'll be one of my that'll be one of my good set of boxers. None of that like cheap cheap boxer stuff. I got some like I got some me undies. I got uh-huh. some like you know, uh, you know hiking undies you get from like Urban Outfitters or not Urban like REI or something like that. Yeah, some cheap ass undies, and then I got these. These are going to be up my top tier. 
okay. Oh, how was the slide out? How was the slide out? Was it frictionless? Was it yeah. not friction? It was. It was good. That's good. You I think you I think the logo's upside down. You got to get real into the details. There you go. Like, uh, was yeah, the logo is definitely upside down. It's, it's, the, I mean, it's it's definitely hugging nuts. Like you're hug. It's, it's hugging nuts. That's their logo. Yeah. Why didn't they call but it? You gotta give, that would have been because you don't. I don't know. That's a that's a hard. Good I question. like this. I like this magnetic like closing mechanism mm-hmm. that they put here. It's kind of nice. Okay, I have a question right. for you, Jesse. Yeah, go you for it. Flip that, and then it's on a scale of new ball game. On a scale of I'm gonna throw this away immediately to I'm gonna irrationally keep this Apple box around for much longer than I should. <laughs> How good is the packaging on that lawnmower 4.0? It's really it's it's great. I like it. I like this. This is funny. Uh this is plastic. I wish it were velvet. Uh this wish it was velvet. Yeah, I wish it was velvet. Uh, this nice this this um first impressions it feels light it feels light and and like, I'm not like, sure. like not good build quality light uh no no it feels like the motor feels heavy decent but it feels like this this frame that it's light too light plasticky they could have gone with like a rubberized texture right here. That would have been nice. I think if you dropped it, it would it would it would shatter. Oh, it depends, but yeah, it'll probably shatter from like ten right. feet. Yeah, for sure. It's it's ten brilliant. feet. Why how, would how tall are you? How, tall, would it... how are you manscaping? Are you doing it hovering <laughs> over your second floor? Uh, I actually use uh, my shaver on a on a stick that's nine feet. Um, <laughs> All right, let's see. So, all right, guys, no ten foot manscaping. Uh, and that light, that light is yeah. clutch. That's like, light. in my opinion, that's probably worth it. All you want to see it in the dark? You want to? You want to see how much you got? You got. This is gonna be an alien. This is a move for improv here. Ooh, look at that! All right, here we go. When we go pointing at the camera, dude. We can't see. That. There you go. I know. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. So there you go. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, but like while you're in the process. Yeah. Because with the way you're supposed to hold it, uh, as you're trimming yourself, it highlights the hairs. The, uh, the like the best part. Like, do it on your like arm. Do you have, do you have hairy arms? No, I don't. Oh. Uh, Okay. It's, it's not gonna. Yeah. Damn, bro. How are you? You are super slick on Silky arm hair. Jesus Louise, do you swim? Because you should. Swim. <laughs> Jeez. What else is? What else is there? What else we got? All right. So let's uh let's see what's under that. You got a manual. Hairy ass arms. Uh, here. Let's see. I told the worst joke to my girlfriend last weekend. Says, let's get mowing. I gotta tell you all that. It's funny. Okay, so there's like a step by step guide. Gas it up. Okay. Right there. It's got some uh, guards on it so you don't nick yourself. I like that the the way way in which they tell you to do that is a ball because that's 
the most sensitive part of what we're doing here. That to me is important. That whole pamphlet right there is yeah. so important to me because why? Nobody, used trimmers before? My, my, my pops wasn't like, hey, I'm going to show you how to shave your balls. Like nobody. You learn real quick. Yeah, you learn. You, <laughs> figure, you figure it out. But even that was like, you know, those are things I never, never vocalized, but go low and slow. I guess I do naturally do that. That's cool to think about. Like, it's good. They, they, they yeah, the wireless charging. Time. It's hard to justify. Oh, yeah. Buying something like this only for for manscaping yeah you use your nut trimmer on your face as well (laughs) well i have two now i have two now i have that and now i have my the one i would used to use and i actually had different heads on the one i used to use Mm. so like you could just take the head off and then put a different one on based on the size (laughs) now i don't i've dedicated whereas beforehand i've been frugal All right, so you've got I'm a charging cable, and you've got a wall adapter, and yet another USB plug, little brush for brushing off the leftover hairs on the trimmer. Uh, the ones that don't make it into the toilet because you're doing it over the toilet. Yep, and this is the charging dock, um, and then you've got different uh, different cards, like Corey was saying. So yeah. yeah, the guards are I think three millimeters, six millimeters, ten millimeters, and thirteen millimeters. Wait uh, a second. So if you want to give your balls a fade, you could theoretically. You could definitely do that. Interesting. You know that's coming, right, Corey? That's 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 not the people that I'm are putting steps. Now. I'm putting steps in, like you know, like vanilla ice steps on the little. side. <laughs> that bro manscaping is gonna get to the point where dudes are gonna be like putting designs in their pubes and like putting, i'm sure they already do that i like, never do i'm sure people do it's just a matter of time dude. i'm telling you the racing stripes yeah. so it's fast it's gonna be so it's fast i wanted you i wanted the racing stripes to match the experience you're about to have girl. <laughs> It's gonna get it's gonna be over real fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I hate are the moments where you're like, girl, I'm going to love you down. And then it's like minute and a half. And you're like, I tried. I tried. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that's like. Sorry. I tried. Experience I've never had. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sorry. <laughs> so we should talk about some crypto at some point. Um yeah, so that's that's uh, that's the lawnmower 4.0. That's manscaped.com, right? Those are the boxers. These all come this. I'm not sure the boxers and the shirt come in a package for you guys, but you can get 20% off at manscaped.com. That is M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. That is dot com. Where, where were you born? It's 15 minutes. Dot com. 15 minutes of advertising. <laughs> let's just run it. Let's, let's go. There's only two tools this man needs. His trusty axe for felling trees and the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 for shaving my balls. We're doing that. That's yeah. going to be on every episode, even when they're not doing us anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just forever. So let's get into some crypto content, guys. The thing on that forefront of everyone's mind, obviously, is not Bitcoin. It is actually Ethereum. It's a hard fork today. It should be done by today, right now, right? Monday. Woo-wee. That's right. 
Gas is about to change. So gas is going to go down, right? Eh, not, not, not sure about that. So here's the thing. Here's what I think might happen. Gas might go down, but then mm -hmm. volume will go up. So then gas is going to stay the exact same price. <laughs> gas, this isn't necessarily... Uh, uh, an EIP, a change, Ethereum improvement proposal, that means gas goes down. It means gas, for the most part, is more easily, like the incentives change based on how miners get paid. Mm -hmm. And it's more, it's, it's easier to predict what gas will be for a given transaction. There's a lot of other stuff involved with this. Also, EIP may mean that Ethereum is inflationary in terms of how it mints, to, mints, mints Ethereum. So like, there's a lot of details around how this EIP works, but it changes the game in terms of like the incentives around mining and how transactions, how transaction fees are paid to miners and how wallets can understand the amount of gas associated with a given transaction, mm -hmm. which is very important for wallets. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, um, been a bit of a price hike because of the fork. Um, that's typical. Um, we don't talk price. Price went up. It's going to go back down. Then it's going to go back up again. That's that's it. That just is what it is. Um, so what are some other notable things about this London upgrade? And here's the thing. What if we run out of dev cons? before we run out of upgrades what happens then what because they're they're named after where devcons were so what, like, what is these upgrades i don't know they're not yes they are no they're not yeah they are <laughs> they used to be like the byzantine and they had those fancy names and then it started taking so long as so they're like all right we're gonna chunk it up and we're gonna start naming i don't them. think there's ever been a devcon in london well, then what are they named after them? I don't know. I'm about to it used to be like the whole Constantinople thing, like the like the, like the upgrade of... Fallen empires. Uh, London is a fallen empire. America's I don't know. That's next. a good question. <laughs> fallen empires. <laughs> when, you, when you hear Ethereum America hard fork, you'll know my thesis is correct. Oh my <laughs> In the future. <laughs> You hater. Keep going, guys. Keep going. I'm going to figure this out for us. Well, what are you, what are you, you figuring out? The naming? I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, like like why the oh. name of London. And you, is is this a talking point? You want to talk about this for a long time? What are we doing? No, like, I want to talk about it's gonna, it. I would say it's going to change the Ethereum quite a bit in terms of this hard fork. There's, there's, there are other things in the hard fork outside of EIP 1559. Um, Before I say this, Corey, guilty feet. Uh, have no have no rhythm. Okay. Berlin, London, Shanghai, Cancun, Prague, and Osaka, Japan. Interesting. I guess the London was before my time. I'll accept my apology in milk chocolate, please, sir. You can send me uh Garibaldi milk chocolate. Okay, so why would there be hard forks and no DevCons? Well, because like if there's more hard forks than there are dev, like if we outpace the devcons, why would you? Why why would that happen? I don't know. I'm asking you, man. You're the hard forks are Ethereum. hard forks don't happen too often. I mean, they happen more often on Ethereum than most other chains because they're not contentious. 
So the theory here is that we're going to have uniquely less hard forks than we are DevCons. Yeah, like one every year. I'm assuming they're not, you know, a pandemic every year. Yeah. There's a DevCon every year. Okay. There's not a hard fork every year. We already have like a bunch of years of of, <laughs> we of DevCons to get through, right? Like we're we're on a hard fork of a DevCon I didn't go to, and I've been to a lot of DevCons. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was just, you know, I just uh, prod the bear, you know, see if, uh, <laughs> what if some other hard forks spring up on us and all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, we're out of dev cons. No, what do we make this hard fork? Name it whatever you want, man. Like, Ethereum people love naming weird things weird. Very true. Like our, our messaging network is called Waku. So, like, yeah. Why, why Waku? Uh, I think it was in line with, so Waku is like a goddess of, messaging or something and then it was, it was in line with like how um infura is a, i don't know i didn't come up with it i don't care mm. okay. so i'll go to walk through i'll go to, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out the justification for you i'll keep talking okay Corey, your 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 apathy is <laughs> your, I'm, your... I'm here. what do i care what's in there? i don't give a shit it works <laughs> You're, if anyone ever asks you for feedback or something and you really didn't care about it, you'd be like, I don't give a shit. I don't, yeah. I don't care. Do what you want to do with your shit. I don't care. Anyways, uh, so here's another thing. I know you guys also. So, ah, oh, man, marketing is, is scary these days. Why'd you exactly. say that? I feel the same way. Who sighed? Was that you, Jesse, or you, Corey? No, it's me. It's so scary because. I'm I'm living my life and then I'm bombarded with this Ashton Kutcher video where he's mm-hmm. hanging out with with his wife, Mila Kunis. Um, and then he pans over to Mila and she's saying, oh, I'm going to haphazardly explain something I thoroughly know because my husband talks about all the time, but I'm going to play that part. And then he's like, blah, 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 blah. and then he pans over to Vitalik, who's chilling in their kitchen or their living room or whatever. And Vitalik starts talking about Ethereum. And then less than a week later, they have this crypto kitty cat shit, stoner cat shit that's on the Ethereum blockchain and it's making money hand over foot and it's doing its thing. And it's like, holy shit. Like marketing is a motherfucker. That was Wait, not authentic. Real? Yeah, bro. What happened in our Slack? What do you mean? This is, oh yeah. You're, you're head down. You're, you're, yeah. you're, uh, you're I'm disconnected from everything right now. Right now. Yeah. So so there was an advertisement with Ashton Kutcher, his wife. It wasn't an advertisement. It was a Twitter video that was authentic and organic, and they were just hanging out in their house, and Vitalik was in there. And Vitalik was hanging out with Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, just you know, having some so so was it CG'd Vitalik or was it actual? It was it was him. He was there. there. Wow. The penetrance of like crypto into like celebrity world is kind of Mm -hmm. it's getting real. So anyways, the big news here is that the Stoner Cats sold out in 35 minutes and it locked up the Ethereum blockchain. And was like, oh, Stoner Cats, Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, uh, Mila Kunis. And then, uh, you know, and it's just marketing sometimes can be sickening because you don't even know you're being marketed to. And then you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They got me, you know. So anyways. Um, did you I buy hope. a stoner cat? Because if not, they didn't get you, right? Not really, no. But I know that it exists. Got a lot of people. Yeah, they got mm. a lot of people. I'd buy one either. I don't. I don't really buy NFTs that much. You know, mm. I, I'm waiting for NFTs to not be so JPEGy and a little bit more tech heavy. 
so that I actually own something and not nothing. Um, but you know, we're not going to go into that. I don't want to make anybody sad because they own nothing. I'm going to let you keep thinking you own something. Let's, let's move on to, I mean, if it makes money, if it's, if it has value in it and they own something. Here's true. If I have a JPEG on my hard drive that I say is like, you own it just because I sold you an address. That's bullshit. Like that. It's not a JPEG on a hard drive. I just, where are these JPEGs? IPFS usually. Well, the good ones are on decentralized storage that have content-based addresses. All right. And that was a question for all the rookies in the audience. If your NFT isn't on a decentralized storage platform, you got had. Did you though? Like all video game items like CSGO guns are like 40K right now. Oh no, no. That was uh RuneScape. Party hats. I mean, it's really about ownership and the scarcity. Yeah. Like there's always going to be collectors. And what, what you want to make sure of is with NFTs, if like if the f- value derived from the NFT is ownership of some art, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that they the source, so like the ownership token, which is the actual NFT on chain, points to the picture that can't be changed, right? So like, say for instance, like what, if you, what you're actually buying over the NFT is some on-chain token, which is just a registry, which points to a bunch of different things and has properties. One of those properties of the registry on, on-chain is image source. So like, where do I go on the internet to see the picture of this NFT? And if that's something like, somebody's Dropbox location, they can just change the source without having to change the NFT. I think this happened in one thing where like they actually changed all the pictures of the NFTs to rugs. Yeah. And and so like if you're buying NFTs, you want to make sure that the source picture can't be changed. So you actually own the thing. It's like what you're pointing to. Mm -hmm. What the, because all all NFT is like the on-chain registry is pointing to a bunch of stuff or has on-chain values because no one's actually storing the the, the picture data on chain because it's, it's too much too much data here's here's what i want to ask Corey, because i think we've talked about that before the the whole like dynamics of nft storage but the question i want to ask is so joe was talking about in slack and you 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 and him back and forth um protocol and even d protocol versus application value and there's this argument that, like, let's say the application is worth more than the protocol. I wonder if you can go further and say that there is an asset or an asset class on the application that's worth more than the application, which is worth more than the protocol. Well, the asset for blockchain type stuff, the asset class is only enabled by the underlying infrastructure of the blockchain. So, like, you don't have NFTs unless you have all of the security and mechanism of the blockchain underneath it. True. But like, what I mean is like, if I want a lot of money, then just like you were talking about during the interview with Diablo three and the auction house and certain items have, you know, rarities that other people don't really realize yet. There are certain crypto kitties that like, if they're Genesis crypto kitties are worth more than all the other crypto kitties. And if you have the wherewithal to stack those, you'll make more than holding, let's say that crypto kitties had an underlying token like skill for crypto blades, you'd make more finding the blade that was worth a lot and stacking those early on. Yeah. Yeah. But that does that, does that mean that there's no value in the underlying protocol? I just like, no, 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 there isn't. It just means that the, the, 
the value is greater when you get it into depends. the it depends on the market, class. right? So like that depend that, that's drastically dependent upon the economics of that particular application. And that's what's kind of interesting about it is that you can build applications that have built-in economics that are reasonably disassociated from the economics of the protocol. But like old fat protocol thesis, which is what started this whole conversation of like value accrual at the application versus value accrual at the underlying protocol means that the underlying protocol also gets to accrue value. And that's the, the majority of the reason why it has security associated with it is that like HTTP, like you can invest in HTTP or like the equivalent of that, right? And the security of HTTP is associated with the token on that protocol. And so Ethereum gets to accrue value. So if you wanted to, like if you didn't want to make a bet of a given application and you wanted to make a bet on a given technology, you could say, all right, I'm going to invest in Ethereum. I don't really give a shit what's built on top of it, but I know a bunch of things will be built on top of it that are valuable. And so you get to say, I'm going to make a bet in the ecosystem versus a single application within the ecosystem. And that's a really powerful thing that we haven't really had. I, don't, I can't think of an equivalent of. So like, how do you invest in HTTP? Like, well, that's always a canonical that, example. Wouldn't that be the example, like investing in like the NASDAQ versus investing in specific blue chip stocks? Yeah. That's, that's like Is investing it? at the protocol layer. Like buying, buying like the, the broad DJI versus mm-hmm. buying like um apple kind of you're buying markets like if you whenever you whenever yeah. you whenever you invest in an index you're basically investing in the the bundle which right. diversifies your risk of what's inside that bundle so isn't that all you're doing you're just lowering your risk by buying the protocol yes but now that there's a multi-chain ecosystem yes because you like each of those things have their own token associated with them. If it was just one, you say, I'm investing in blockchain, you just invest in that thing. Or you can say like, oh, we, we invest in infrastructure, so we invest in a bunch of blockchain ecosystems as opposed to applications that are built on top of them. So like in the event that an application gets built that blows up, you don't have to be the guy that understands what that is because there's thousands and thousands and thousands of companies trying to be that. You just try and diversify across all the infrastructure they could build on, and it's a less risky investment. Mm-hmm. Speaking of investing, our good friends over at Fells Wargo have done a full 180, as everyone does, and they're now allowing, get this, their wealthiest clients to invest I, in. I guarantee there was a there was a board meeting of some sorts, and someone asked, "What's our blockchain strategy?" And then, and then a bunch of people scrambled to then make that a thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody got fired. One person got fired. At least one person got fired. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wait a second. You mean to tell me we've missed bill- hundreds of billions of dollars in, in profitable trades? Yeah, yeah, you're fired. You're, you're fired. So that's how that went. Um, it's just funny, man. It's like... Yeah, do we care? Do we care that Wells Fargo does this? Like, no, it's it's, it's you don't care about a, a lot. I noticed that. the number of fucks that you have these days is very minimal. You're very minimal. Yeah, like we didn't get into this th- so that we could use Wells Fargo to move crypto. 
That's very true. That's very true. But at the end of the day, a reason we did get into this is because it stood a chance of making our investment, our personal investment portfolios very robust going on into the future. And things like that lead me to believe, okay, I was right. Cool. I can continue the percentage of my portfolio that is cryptocurrency. I can continue to maintain and care about it because it seems to be being adopted. What's an example? What's an example of a, of a, of a company making a, like adding a feature that then just got dropped immediately because it was garbage. I mean, like, cause like, what I like, my point is, is that, yeah, I would say like Bank of America or who or Wells Fargo, whoever could like say like, oh, we allow, you know, this amount of, you to do these amount of things with crypto, but that's not going to make or break them. They don't give a shit. It just, it just hopefully adds more customers to their, to their, to their customer base so they could charge them overdraft fees. Like they don't give a shit and they don't, and they don't, care whether or not it wins it's just a it's just a way to get people to use their platform like so they can make money off coins like none of this is like good or like beneficial or more ro- it doesn't make the ecosystem more robust in fact it, it probably makes it less because mm-hmm. the event that like wells fargo fucks up their implementation they're not going to blame it on themselves that's true. They're going to blame it's it on the technology. Fault. Well, I mean, obviously, though, the more people that use it, the more the more the likelihood that someone messes up their implementation goes up. That's just that's a given. I just thought I just what the only reason I brought even brought it up is just because like it just. I feel more every month that goes on and since we've been doing this and innocent passionate about it for so long, I feel like the dog that caught the car, you know, is like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we were right. we were right. Oh, oh shit! Like, what do I do now? Like, I guess I'll just be right. I guess that's where I'm at. Like, there's, you know, like now it's just like gotta find some bigger cards to chase. What? I, yeah, exactly. I run into people that are. There's a lot more people few and far between that are asking me, "Hey, do you really think Bitcoin could be massively adopted and crypto could be massively adopted?" And there's more people saying, "Hey, when do you think that's gonna happen?" And I'm like, "Wait." What I don't know when I became a horse like seller. <laughs> what does that even mean, right? Like, yeah, the, like the the context of what adoption is, I think, has changed since we started this podcast quite a bit. Oh, big time! But it's still the only thing that matters. So now we're in this position where it's like, huh, adoption is the only thing that matters. It's definitely not going to look like we thought. It is happening, but you know, we're right. Like every time somebody, it's very funny. Like. The next thing is going to be payroll, right? And as as um, as more relationships. So, for example, uh, a, a close friend of mine just went to Vegas, and Jim and I has relationships now with both um, uh, casinos and bank relationships. You can go and scan your Jim and I QR code, and they will give you chips in exchange for crypto straight from your phone. Really? Yep. And so I'm thinking like as this infrastructure is put in and these walled gardens are placed naturally because humans don't do things differently. We copy pasta and then kind of look at things from different perspectives. But it's the same shit. We copy pasta. And so next comes payroll. Next comes all these other really large things that you can now derivatively relate to crypto. Um, It's just... It's mass adoption isn't going to look the way we thought it was going to look. That's all. It's just I, I, I don't know. 
the way you guys thought it was going to look initially, but how has it changed? Like, what was your initial I thought? Mean, I thought be... I'd walk in the gas station and be like, yo, give me these flaming hots. I'll give you some bits. And D was talking about it. everything being denominated in bits and no longer USD. We talked about like a lot of them, like the, like the, the <laughs> stupid ideology of early Bitcoin was right, like, right, it's right. going to replace fiat. Like, like Bitcoin. Like it's going to. Yeah, it was like it's like oh, fiat's gonna die. It's gonna burn to the ground, and the United States is only gonna use Bitcoin. Oh, okay. Yeah, everyone use Bitcoin. I mean, like, it's not gonna fucking happen. I think now here's the thing: mm. that value is going to exist, and it's gonna be placed in in Bitcoin. Likely, Bitcoin's a likely winner, and Ethereum as a network. But I don't I think it's going to be like a behind the scenes. Like, for example, there's the what is it? The 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 petrodollar. It's not like a I can't go spend petrodollars, but it's a very powerful value relation that controls a lot of the way the world works. I can't go down to fucking Jiffy Lube, not Jiffy Lube, but whatever the quickest quick, quick trip, whatever the the convenience store. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go to the gas station and spend a petrodollar, right? I can't go to the gas station and spend a, a gold dollar index, whatever. But the value is still there and the value is powerful. I do think that is what crypto is going to lean towards. And of course, you're going to have your digital dollar, digital, you know, just put on there. You know, it's just going to be more of the same, just a different color, you know. So um, anyways, uh, we can move on. We can move on to Do you guys want to move on to a different topic? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. okay. Sure. I, who is it? Uh, it's kind of the same topic. Just like Spain is now doing something with uh, crypto. What do they do? Like, I don't know. It was what like a like, kind of vague ass statement. Is that Spain no? Because I, I saw an article on something from somewhere. People throw articles at me all day. Like, it's, it's like a it's a OL Salvador did it. I guess we can look into doing it too. Type of situation, and I think mm-hmm. it has to do with real estate. Uh, let's see here. Spain blockchain. Let's see. Is there any like for. news in crypto besides there you go. Spain? This is on CoinDesk. Spain opposition party introduces bill to allow mortgage payments with crypto. Mm. It's a bill that's introduced, which means there's a high likelihood it will go into nothingness. It'll go into I mean, it's Spain. I don't, I don't know how Spain governance works, but this was released yesterday and updated yesterday. So check that out on Coindesk. But I mean, like, we're going to see official government allowance of people using this asset class to do things that are like that require a tremendous amount of paperwork, right? Like the type, and, and I think that's that's a that's a that's a good metric for adoption. Is like the things that require a lot of official paperwork when they start using crypto, it drastically increases the efficiency of like the the payment mechanism or exchange of, of goods and ownership things like that, right? So like paying taxes, more like real estate, mortgage payments, things like like. Things like that, when those start allowing for crypto usage, it's starting to like drastically legitimize the technology in itself. And when it's Bitcoin, thing like you know, things like Bitcoin, then it like ossifies Bitcoin as a storage of value in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Yeah, 
It does. It does. It's sexy. Mm. Crypto like this, is this, is, this is one of those things. Like, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, no, do you think? You as an internet worker, like, it, it, I'm not saying you, just you in general, an internet worker can do things that they couldn't do previously, which is exchange their goods and services online in exchange for Bitcoin, which then removes the like jurisdictional barriers of like who their audience is or who they can sell services to, mm-hmm. which means that like, they could possibly do stuff they could never do in their local their local jurisdiction. Maybe if they're oppressed or minority or their their economy sucks, whatever. They can then, if things like this happen, make money offering services to the globe that then pay their mortgage. Like that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's just going to be skilled labor doing that. I don't think that. Um, I don't know if everybody's I mean, going to be able to do it's that. It's an opportunity. I'm not saying everyone's going to do it, but like. I, that's, I don't know. I'm in this for giving people options to live their life the way they want to, regardless of whatever they're born into, mm-hmm. or at least give them more options to then expand outside of the constraints of their, of their, of their like local physical geography. Yep. You want options? We got options, baby. So I think that's cool. Yeah. That's it. It, that's is, it is neat. So we did have an interview. We're not going to cut to it, but I did want to talk about something that's related to the interview, and that's NFTs, non-fungible tokens. We talked about a little bit earlier. We're going to talk about a little bit now. There's still, I know there was that crazy month. Oh, we've got a clip of the interview? All right, well, we'll just, we'll, do we have a clip? Welcome back. Bitcoin Podcast, episode 362. As always, uh, I'm your interview host, Dr. Corey Petty, with Jesse, the man broke. So what's up, Jesse? What's up, everybody? Today, we're interviewing Philip from CryptoBlades, a game that has incorporated NFTs as uh, a way to incentivize people to play and earn and use. We're going to dive into kind of how it works, why it works. Uh, what a user can expect when playing and kind of where y'all are going. So Philip, say what's up. Tell us where you came from. Let's get into it. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. Um, yeah. So I started uh, riveted games in 2014 and we started developing games mainly for PC for publishing on steam. And uh, we had a couple uh, successful games out on steam uh, over the last uh, seven years, really. And uh, in January, decided to move into the blockchain space when we saw a kind of a fun opportunity to incorporate uh, NFTs with kind of real in-game items. So what a lot of people don't know is that NFTs aren't just, um, uh, you know, uh, ledgers of ownership of art, right? Art is kind of a very common uh, NFT, uh, I guess, um, maybe visual medium or uh, data even is a more general way to put it, uh, the data that resides inside of an NFT. But it doesn't have to be artistic at all. It can be any kind of data. Uh, in our case, it's different weapon stats that get generated when you create weapons. So think like uh, definitely a lot of inspiration from like Diablo 2 and things like that. But uh, you create these weapons which have different stats um, that range in power from one star to five star, which is kind of a, a rarity rating. And then you use these weapons uh, with your characters who also live on the blockchain as NFTs and uh, uh, defeat monsters and earn skill tokens. So 
those can act, those can be traded on, on uh, many major exchanges, also on decentralized exchanges uh, for you know any currency that that you might want to uh, trade it in for. So that's kind of how the play to earn mechanism you know mixes with the uh, NFT aspect of the game. On top of that, you have um, on top of that you have an additional token um, that's not necessarily NFTs. Can you talk about how that fits into the, like, the game economy and um, what it is and why someone would, how someone uses it or why someone would buy it or whatever? Yeah, sure. So uh, the token that kind of drives the whole in-game economy, or in other words, the in-game uh, 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 currency is our skill token. So the CryptoBlade skill token. And this token is used to purchase characters, to uh, forge weapons, and uh, reforge weapons, which is a way to take uh, some lower power NFTs and uh, burn them or destroy them, and take some of that power and put it into a, an, a weapon that you actually want, want to use for battle long-term. So we kind of have an, a burning mechanism in there for the NFTs as well, but uh, the skill token is used for all of that. and so. If players want to increase their ability to earn, they're going to take some of those skill tokens that they earn and reinvest them into the game, which uh, in turn powers the uh, play to earn economy. We also have uh, multiple other revenue streams that uh, pour skill tokens into our rewards pool, like our NFT marketplace, which uh, currently has over uh, 50,000 daily active users. Uh, we've had uh, hundreds of thousands of of NFT transactions, and uh, a part of that uh, all goes back into the rewards pool. So that's kind of a couple of the ways that we uh, managed to take some of the tokens that we earn from revenue and actually pay those back out to the players who are playing. Hmm. Yes, I'm just. I got. Yeah. yeah, I got a question. So is there like a max cap upgrade for like weapons? Um, and then also, I'm not sure if there's like a max cap earnings in terms of like daily skill that you can farm. Uh, yeah, there is. Uh, in fact, it might be a good opportunity for me to just pull up the game and kind of show you those. Uh, that way, for sure. people can kind of see what's what's going on there. So I'll. Uh, yeah, for those who are just listening, you, I definitely recommend turning on the YouTube video and watching the gameplay. Um, you can just share your screen, and we can we can we can watch that. Alicia, will you put that on and, and maximize it? I can throw it on. Oh, she got it. All right. All right, cool. So can you guys see uh, see my screen? Yep. Awesome. So uh, this is the what we call the plaza, which is where you uh, can recruit characters. And you can have four characters uh, in a given wallet. And these characters range in level from 1 up to 255, which is time-locked, essentially, by being able to battle and earn experience. And in order to battle and earn experience and earn skill tokens, you need to um, have stamina on your character. So you can see up here, I kind of have uh, uh, some stamina of 200 out of 200 for each of these characters. That's just so I can easily see who I want to do, do battle with. Uh, so if I were to pick this level 32, um, uh, there's a couple other elements here that are kind of important. So you can see that it's a fire character, which means that if I pick a fire sword, I'm going to uh, have a kind of an increased ability to defeat enemies because of that trait match. And then I can pick uh, any of the enemies and, uh, and choose to fight them based on um, whether my element is stronger than theirs, uh, the, the amount of power that they have, 
And we kind of try to help players out by giving like a victory chance. So everything on the blockchain is, is, is transparent and people have and do write all kinds of different tools to be able to get more in depth with the, with the data here. Um, because, you know, that's, that's one of the benefits of having this on blockchain is you, there's guarantees of, uh, that when I click a fight button, for example, that there's going to be a financial transaction that can be verified and that, you know, that's how we can uh, safely um, do this play to earn model. So anyways, if I pick, uh, let's say this fire, uh, let's see, I have a fire character. I want to defeat, all right, I'm strong against earth. And so when you click the fight button here, it's actually going to uh, interact with the blockchain for a good like five or 10 seconds, uh, making sure that the transaction's valid. Um, and this is on Binance Smart Chain. So uh, moderate to low gas fees for playing the game. And we make sure that the rewards that players get uh, at least exceed that gas cost. So uh, to offset the BNB. So it looks like I won the fight, which means I earned uh, experience and also that I earned skill tokens. So uh, mm -hmm. the skill tokens are trading at, you know, let's say $40 per skill token. So I, you know, made roughly 44 cents on this particular action. And you see that my stamina went down, so I can actually battle uh, what turns out to be about seven and a half times per day. And a single sword can be used by four characters uh, throughout the entire day before it needs to start recharging. So, so there's stamina on items as well. Yes, exactly. And, and both of those will restore automatically, uh, but it kind of puts a time lock on the earnings that way players can have fair chances against any kind of automation or bots or anything like that, which has been one of the main downfalls of most crypto games um, that that sadly haven't making it made it is um, uh, this idea that you know a bot can just interact with the smart contract at a much faster or much more efficient pace than real players, you know, taking the majority of the rewards, and that's something we wanted to avoid. So. Uh, with this, you know, everybody has to purchase characters to start, everybody has to purchase weapons to start, and you can only battle so many times a day, meaning the amount that you can kind of compound is slowed in the sense that, you know, you're going to have roughly a, a anywhere from a two week to a 30 day return on your investment from when you initially uh, purchased your NFTs. And, um, you know, it also really just depends on uh, uh, other factors like, you know, did you or some weapons in the blacksmith because uh, actually I was uh, before joining you guys I was streaming on Twitch and uh, I always like to hop on and do some forging of weapons. Um, I have you can see 257 here. I just been fighting most of them, but uh, I, I, I filter it down to my five stars and uh, uh, we just started uh, releasing kind of like a times ten forge that way people could forge a whole bunch at once because interacting with the blockchain is too slow and people want their swords faster so. Um, so anyways, I was, I was doing some forging and the very first one I clicked just to forge times one. And I, I, uh, I minted a, a five star. So this one's brand spanking new. Um, these IDs are actually sequential. So, uh, this was the 3 millionth, uh, 282,000, uh, 48th sword actually, because there is an ID zero. So, um, anyways, you know. Uh, there's plenty more to kind of go over in the game. I won't give it all away right now, but we can kind of talk more about it. But but I can uh, uh, kind of push it back over to you guys and see what other questions you have.
So $90 a month, potentially. Right. Well, so that depends on, um, depends on a couple of things. So right. let me uh, share this earnings calculator, um, which is, uh, it's, it's a convenience tool. Um, there's other factors that people might want to place into here, but you know, what you can basically do is uh, set up, it, it, it will look at the weapon that you have uh, currently equipped and the character that you have currently equipped. So I have a level 32 character, which is not terribly uh, strong. I think there's some that are in the level 54, 55-ish right now, but um, I do have a, a fairly strong sword. And so if I were to win uh, the majority of my fights, I would be looking at um, a profit of roughly, you know, anywhere from 152 to at max $210 uh, per month. Of course, this is crypto. And so the uh, price of the skill token goes up and down. Um, the price of BNB goes up and down. And so, you know, we, this is, you know, a convenience tool, not a promise of returns, but it's just a way for people to kind of have a little bit more insight into that earning piece and not just have it be, you know, kind of hidden and, you know, take out little fees here or take out little fees there. I mean, we try to make it really as simple as possible. Like this is how much skill tokens that you're going to mine and with your character and, and kind of go from there. So we try to, you know, mix in that fun, you know, aspect of it with also, all right, you're here to earn. So let's make it easier for you to figure out how to do that. I'm curious. I've never interacted with the Binance Smart Chain, so I'm not entirely sure um, how much transactions cost and nor do i know how many transactions seven fights actually takes um could you kind of like estimate like net profit because it seems like anything once like once you throw anything in like crypto especially with like a ui that's like um more like adventure questy or like you know i guess like you said kind of diablo but without the 3d models and everything i think it it turns more into like a I think the priority will probably be earning. And then the second thing will probably be like, Ooh, I've got cool swords. This is like, Oh, before you answer, I want to make it like a, uh, I don't know, allegory, analogy, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I, whenever we, we've, we've interviewed quite a few games, um, with respect to crypto in the past. And I think every single one of them, I've told the story and I'll tell it again. Like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Diablo three, when it first when it was first released, but um, it was a Steam game that was a dungeon crawler. Uh, you, you you said that like a lot of the like kind of attributes and stuff are got you've got you know ideas from. Uh, but one of the aspects of Diablo three was the real money auction house, and what that was is you'd play the game, you'd find loot, and that loot was randomized. And what you could do instead of farming the game and playing it and getting better and better weapons based on randomized drops you could go to the real money auction house and just buy the weapon based on it. Or you could farm the game, get a bunch of weapons and then sell that, sell those weapons on the, on, on the auction house for real cash. And what happened was the game become, became play the real money auction house. It was basically scour the available items that were there uh, for deals and then resell them at a markup because people undervalued what they had uh, instead of like just, just playing the game for fun. And I personally made a bunch of money doing this because I understood what people wanted and, and then found under, like these are these, these items undervalued is, 
is it feels as though you just made the auction house. Yeah, in a sense, in a sense. Um, so we do have, for example, our own NFT marketplace, which is um, you know active with with quite a lot of different characters and weapons and things like that. Um, and there are actually uh, people who routinely will flip NFTs on the marketplace. You know, they see something that's listed for under market price and they buy it and they sell it at a higher price. And they obviously incur a slight risk that they might not be able to sell that particular token at a particular price. But that's essentially the same as, as any kind of ARB bot or any person who just uh, makes a living out of doing ARBs. So uh, it's, I think ARBs and the NFT of, of marketplace in general, not just in ours, is, is a good thing because that's what any healthy market needs is activity. And it needs to find buyers who can go with sellers and sellers who can go with buyers. And that's really what these people are doing. Or bots, for, the, for example. Um, we uh, are, are clear that we don't um, allow any kind of botting, but of course there's things that people can do that we're constantly working around to do that. But even still, any kind of ARB that people are doing on our marketplace is worthwhile and is also you know, uh, helpful because it gives more activity to our marketplace, which also drives more you know, transaction volume and, and revenue for us. So there's, there's a lot to what you just said. And in our case, we've kind of leaned into it and turned it into uh, the, you know, our primary uh, source of income. And on top of that, you know, we were kind of talking about how much are people playing to have fun versus playing to earn. And yeah, there's a lot of people who um, are only playing to earn. And there's actually also a lot of people who enjoy the concept and are excited for different features that we have coming out. Like we're rolling out a PVP module where players can actually wager against each other uh, that they can either defeat them or not. And, you know, releasing a brand new weapon along or a brand new item along with it too, where people can buy shields, which can have certain kinds of resistances against some of these different element types that you can kind of see here. So there's kind of a lot of different ways that players will be able to earn. And we have feedback, I mean, crazy amounts of feedback on uh, our, our public uh, feedback forum, which is cryptoblades.hellonext.co. And there's just hundreds and hundreds of different gameplay ideas uh, that people want implemented and, you know, would see, they, they, they look at it from an economical standpoint, right, of in, improving our game's economy. But they also look at it from this fun standpoint of, hey, wouldn't it be cool if instead of just blades and shields, we also got boots and gloves? And what if we could do different kinds of dungeons or fight bosses? And so we've actually started, you know, developing all of that. And it's, it, it's you know, it's, one part investing and one part just that dopamine rush of playing a, a fun game or getting really lucky when you're minting swords like I was on stream earlier today or you know, things like that. Um, there's definitely a lot of fun elements to it, which is, I think, the reason why NFT gaming in particular is booming right now. Yeah, I'm curious, like one of the uh, another the other aspect of uh, this, this, this kind of gaming economies that I've, I've always been weary of or interested in because it's, it's fascinating is um, like balance creep. And that is this concept of as you increase like the number of types of things uh, with respect to power and value in a game, it's, it's it becomes 
more and more difficult to keep the game balanced. And if there's value involved, you'll quickly find, especially when there's a market associated, like when there's a market associated with it, you'll quickly find that like people will game it as, as much as they possibly can. And the value associated with how you play the game ends up dictating like, or like informing you as, as developers, how, like what's imbalanced, right? Like how do we find ways to tweak the various parameters? I mean, that, whether that be like attributes, uh, items and how, how items affect a given character and then, and then subsequently a given battle, the, the, the marketplace of all of these NFTs, which come together on a character, which then fights things to earn money, uh, will be gamed as much as it possibly can. And the fact that it's on chain and you have all of this data and like the, you know, what, what is this ostensibly like perfectly structured data, the, the marketplace ends up informing you how to balance the game. But you have the, like, the other side of that where the more things you introduce to the game, the more difficult that search is and the type of data science you need to evaluate those types of things. Like how are you keeping those things, two things in balance? And have you noticed, have you, have you experienced this so far? Yeah. So, you know, I think what you're really talking about is like a meta, which is, which kind of happens um, uh, not only with games, but really in any kind of market that has, you know, uh, movement due to external uh, stimulus. So in our, in our case, for example, as we mint more weapons, five star swords, which are the rarest become more common. And if there isn't enough demand uh, to uh, continue uh, selling them at whatever price their market rate is, then that price goes down. And then now all of a sudden we have a lot more people who are, have five-star swords accessible to them, et cetera. Um, and we have all kinds of, to kind of not counteract that, but kind of steer the barge, uh, we have a, a few different levers, I guess you could call them. Like for example, we do these, um, these 2x or 3x reforge events which is like we have uh uh weapons that are one second all right all right cool sorry about that um uh yeah i I can kind of jump back in real quick with just finishing up that last thought um uh so we have these kinds of different levers that we can pull in our economy where for example we have reforging which is what we use to burn weapons and remove them from circulation and you can actually burn five-star swords uh, to a limited amount. So there's, for example, um, you can re you can get ten points of five-star upgrades, basically, which means uh, if you were to never do it during a bonus, you would have to take uh, ten five-star swords and burn them into your one five-star sword. Uh, if there's a bonus, then you would only have to do that five times, and so that gets pretty popular because those are um, typically only run for. 12 to 48 hours and we you know end up seeing quite a lot of activity you know the players do all of the reforging so they get a kind of a two week to a one month roi on how much they can earn after doing that reforging and so that's kind of some of the ways that we can help keep the economy healthy by performing burns and things like that you got a question yeah i was gonna follow it up like i was i was that's kind of an explanation of the question I had next, which was like, how do you control the distribution of power? Like, like you said, like if people just keep minting things, eventually they're going to get to a point where like the most power, like in-game material is saturated. And so like you always want to have some level of 
scarcity with this type of thing, which is one of the main reasons to use blockchain and NFTs is you have guaranteed scarcity, but how you like the sources and sinks of how the like power dynamics work, like how you introduce the most powerful items in the game and then how those things leave the game is very important such that like, it's not just everyone running around with the most powerful thing and there's no value associated with it. So like, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's other elements at, at play there too. Like for example, uh, we control uh, the price that it takes to forge a new sword. So that can be increased if we want there to be, you know, a, a basically a lower bottom for, uh, for the, the, the forging of the swords. Same for characters. Uh, we can, uh, increase the price there, or uh, we can have we can hold you know a new Genesis event. So that's something that we've uh, told our community about, which they're actually pretty excited about in a sense. Which is at some point, the most powerful NFTs that have ever been minted will have been minted, and moving forward, you know the max power of these NFTs is going to be lower. And so what that does is essentially say uh, those NFTs that people have already invested in are uh, are going to go up in value. So that's one way to kind of keep people, uh, give them confidence that their NFTs are going to maintain or go up in value over time due to scarcity. Uh, and at the same time, it still leaves an entry point for players who are new to the game and want to try their hand at the forging process um, to maybe uh, you know, build up some level of profit and then be able to buy one of the better stores. So there's just en different entry points depending on people's different risk tolerances. Beth, you should ask that question we were talking about earlier, when who's gone? Uh, which part of it? All of it. All of it? Okay, so I guess my question starts with um, the... Is, is it fun to start at the, at the point where you make a game based on economics to fund future development of the game? And is it... Is, like, as a, as a game developer, right, there's, there's a risk. There's a higher risk, I would argue, with developing the game that nobody likes before developing like some sort of coffers to build like the game off of like how how does that like influence your your perception of like are you having fun while doing this like or like would you rather have built the game first and then the economics or or is this is this fun for you to work on the economics to build out you know potentially an actual game uh, yeah i mean i this is exactly the kind of games that I normally like to play, which is why, you know, why we, why we developed it. Uh, but if what's funny is normally the games that we would develop as a company were games that were uh, at least trending in some way, right? That there is a known existing market. And we actually took a huge risk with this game because uh, sure, uh, you know, play to earn is popular now, but it wasn't as that popular in January. Um, you know, our first attempts even to raise, uh, you know, venture capital were, very difficult, um, which is, you know, as a founder in crypto, you know, a lot of times that's, it might be difficult at first, but once you make some connections, if you have a really solid team, you can do it, right? And this, we're a tried and proven team um, of game developers. So uh, really, I, I self-funded the entire thing and just said, look, I'm, let's, this is what I want to do. I love NFTs. I think that's super fun. Um, I think it would be great to have an economy in the game where really all I've done is say, I've created a game and in that game, there's a currency and that's called skill. Oh, and guess what? You can also trade skill on the open market for 
you know, other tokens and make real money that way. That's really all we've done. It's the same as any other game that has an in-game currency, uh, only uh, we've done it on blockchain, which is the really only the tr only trustless and decentralized way to to host those financial transactions. So that's that's really all it is. Is is we do have a game that game has in has in-game currency, and you can make money by selling that in-game currency. Gotcha. So there was still risk. Oh, there's a lot of feedback. So there was there was still there was there was still quite a bit of risk on on your behalf in terms of like um, putting in your money to get the game started then for the most part yeah yeah exactly uh you know from that january february up until we hosted our ido in april um you know everything was self-funded by me and majority of our ido funds that we raised were spent towards uh towards marketing or um you know, just the vast amount of different services that we needed to procure prior to going live with the game itself because um, we released the game about a month and a half after we raised our funds from the IDO. So um, yeah, so there was there was a lot of risk, but it was something that I really believed in. And I have uh, had games and projects that I really believed in that have failed before. And so I'm really no stranger to just kind of going after it. And uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm really happy with the success. I'm also not surprised by it because that's kind of what my hope and goal was. So um, you know, it's, it's, it kind of comes down to like, well, I had an idea that we would have this game and we'd have this currency and people would buy it and people would play the game. And sure enough, from day one, when we launched the game, people were interested in spending their skill tokens on cra crafting characters, you know, recruit, uh, uh, crafting weapons and finding enemies. And we had all these different visual issues up front too, where the game was, you know, just really hard to play or whatever, but other people loved the idea so much too, that for many of them, it cost them money to play because, you know, we had times, you know, within a month or so after we launched where the token price was pretty low. So the amount of rewards that people were getting, we tried to offset the gas that they were spending, but, you know, it was, they were just playing because they believed in it. And so I think that's kind of still what's happening is we've maintained that community. We've brought in a whole bunch of new friends to the community. Like our Discord server is completely maxed, for example, at 100,000 and... And we are actually in actively trying to get Discord to up it, and it's just been a little bit slow. But um, you know, we have this vast community who loves to just talk about the game, and um, you know, it, I could kind of go on and on. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, to me, it's really fun and really awesome that that vision I had, you know, really came to fruition. Yeah, that is awesome. There's a uh, two directions I kind of want to take this. First one being like one's one's technical, one's not. Uh, we'll go with the non-technical route first and that is like do you have plans because like as it, as it stands today is it it's just a web app and every like most of the clicks that you do in terms of meaningful events are basically on-chain transactions that have uh, a sense of randomness or, or like you know like it's 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 in my opinion DeFi with a much better like, ui in a lot of ways it's like a fun way of playing what is ostensibly a, a DeFi like experience but uh, when I consider what NFTs and gameplay and, and how those things mix together, I think about some of the more immersive uh, games where you're playing a game and, and, the, and the items that you're using are NFTs, but there's more playing. Like you have an, an engine that makes a world and you do things and you know, think about most of the MMOs or even Diablo-like experience. 
is there hope or plans to eventually move towards an engine where the NFTs are your are your items? Or is it going to stick to this, I mean, web app type experience where it's mostly like a transactional based gameplay with a UI based on swords and shields? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So um, prior to launching, we intended for every aspect in the game to be interactable with your own 3D character. And so, for example, one thing that doesn't come up a lot in the uh, video of the gameplay and things like that um, is that we have 3D graphics in the game as well, uh, which we're still working on optimizing for end users, which is why they're not shown most times. But uh, those 3D characters are actually randomly generated NFTs with different armor types and things like that. And those 3D characters are what we uh, were building a, a Unity WebGL, essentially, engine for where you would actually be able to interact with other players in there, not in the sense that it would be things that are financial, but in the plaza, for example, the end goal is that that would be a, a world that you can explore and see other players because uh, we are very uh, uh, capable and experienced in creating multiplayer games. Uh, a number of our games that we released are multiplayer. And so uh, that's one aspect that we're working towards, but that hasn't been a priority due to uh, just more pressing, you know, kind of post-release things like kind of to piggyback off the first thing you said that this is essentially a DeFi app, but with a more gamified user interface. And that's exactly right. And so our primary focus has been uh, uh, making sure that that back-end DeFi and uh, economics of the game are stable uh, before working on things that are purely visible, uh, visual, even though we are a game company. It needs to be visually appealing, but we've kind of done enough that our players are can get excited where, you know, it, it was good enough that we got all the users that we have. And every time we put something else out that's new and improved, it's, you know, an exciting update for our user base. So, um, um, yeah, I mean, kind of commenting, kind of answering the questions, but uh, what does stable economics mean or or what, or what do I mean when I say stable? Yeah, where is that ceiling that when you reach that, you'll know, okay, now we can shift to, let's say, game engine development or something? Yeah, so uh, that's primarily based on uh, uh, exiting this stage that we're currently at of user acquisition, which is where um, we're still in the process of releasing our rewards tokens, for example. Uh, eventually, those uh, rewards tokens will um, uh, com be completely offset by the revenue that the game generates. So right now, um, uh, we're at about like 80% or so of the amount of rewards that we pay out are actually paid by people who are generating revenue for us on our marketplace or through uh, minting different uh, weapons or characters. Um, and so the idea there is, is once we have a more tighter control over uh, the, the income that we have that, that uh, fuels the pay to earn, up or, or play to earn, um, uh, that is what I would consider stable. Um, and of course, we always have people working on graphics and things like that, but it's just that you know the majority of our development is on that, that DeFi piece. Moving towards, like that, before I move on to the next, the next thing, that's kind of what we were talking about while you were gone for a hot second was like, you've had the opportunity to kind of move in the opposite direction of making a game, which is build out a stable economy for the game, which then funds, hopefully, 
the development of all of the kind of immersive additional features, kind of like world experience type situations, right? Yeah. And that's kind of an interesting way to do it is that like you build the marketplace, you build, you build a game, like an economics game that has the lore and idea of what, what the gameplay would be like around it to fund the development of all of that other stuff. Cause like, like most game developers would know that it's really hard to spend all of that upfront game development at the hope that you have the user base to play it. And this gives you the like the ability to not only like build the user base based on economics, but also that same economics, assuming it's fair and stable funds, the development of everything else for a longer period of time. And also like tells you exactly how to do that. Right, exactly. And um, to kind of take one one piece further, too, about what you said about immersive experiences. So um, one of the reasons why the game is uh, as as simple as as it is, is because, you know, obviously we are interacting with the blockchain, which means every action that you write out to it uh, costs costs money. And so there were even more kind of interactive ways that we wanted to do this up front that uh, was kind of limited by just the change in market of how much different transaction costs or how slow a particular transaction actually is on mainnet uh, and things like that and what we are currently in the process of kind of i would say it's still in you know this mental brainstorming stage is some kind of side chain tech, uh, 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 addition to the game that we could actually run all the transactions on our own side chain and commit them to uh, whatever blockchain that may be you know i'm thinking kind of multi-chain approach not just finance smart chain but um, some kind of side chain. However, the reason that we're not necessarily, you know, too eager to go that route is because of the it's, the decentralized nature of blockchain is one of the reasons that we were able to scale the way we did. So we currently have over 500,000 users, most of which we gained in the past 30 days. And I mean, honestly, there's not really any infrastructure company who would have been able to seamlessly scale that on their own uh you know unless we already had some kind of insane enterprise hosting you know of these uh, of of the computers that are processing all of this and so that's one benefit we have is that other games have kind of struggled uh when they've gone on just the layer two aspect of it because now all of the load of all of those users is on them all of a sudden right they don't they can't necessarily scale that quickly but we were able to because we are completely on chain. So there's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword there when it comes to how immersive you want the experience to be and how much you want that immersive experience to be tied to financial transactions. And so we've just gone with the most safest route, which is here's our minimum viable product, right? Of how to do a, a fun game that's DeFi-like and uh, involves NFTs. And it just happened to blow up like at version one, but we still have version 10 and version 100 in our minds of where we want this game to go. So, you know, I would say I don't, I tend not to overpromise or talk about things that aren't actively in development, but I think you can kind of get a, an idea of what we're looking to do just based on some of the 3D graphics stuff that we've already kind of implemented and that we continue to kind of tease to our community and stuff like that. That's actually, um, dovetails perfectly into what I wanted to ask next. The technical part was why Binance? Why Binance Smart Chain? And um, what are your future plans for mitigating any potential security risks uh, or 
load associated with Binance Smart Chain filling up. And because like more often than not, I mean, most of the projects that we've interviewed around games uh, were before a lot of the layer twos came came to be or like or or like EVM clones like Binance Smart Chain, which then give you faster transactions and smaller fees compared to Ethereum. Uh, so what a lot of companies had to do is like exactly what you just said, have off-chain infrastructure that allowed them to support a reasonable game-like experience and then allow the user to actually mint those NFTs onto the chain and do something with them in an open marketplace. And so like, why did you choose Binance Smart Chain in the first place? And how do you envision infrastructure development as the game grows and you you scale either to a multi-chain ecosystem or kind of build your own, which then allows you to then export your associated NFTs to whatever marketplace you want to. Right. So while we launched on Binance Smart Chain, you know, there's not necessarily uh, any reason, you know, we've had multi-chain on our roadmap since day one. Uh, we launched on Binance for, I would say, two main reasons. Um, one is that while the transactions aren't as cheap as every other uh, uh, blockchain you know, that's out there, especially Ethereum at the time, uh, it is fairly cheap and it is fairly quick, which is important for really any kind of gamified experience, really. Uh, but second, they had the most, I would say, um, aggressive marketing towards uh, new project owners and what kind of support they could give them. And they came through on all of it. So, you know, they put out this hundred million dollar, you know, uh, accelerator fund for building on finance smart chain back in, I think last October. And, um, uh, it's not necessarily direct investment in any one company. Some sometimes it involves that, but, you know, even just giving small refunds on the amount of gas that your, uh, uh, contract uses. Uh, or, you know, consistently giving social media shout outs to a given project or things like that. And then, of course, there's this most valuable builder campaign, which they recently wrapped up, um, uh, I believe, one or two weeks ago, where it was uh, there were 400 and some projects that entered into this competition. Uh, it was a competition on who could uh, uh, have uh, the most transactions on chain. Uh, the largest uh, social media impact, and then a couple other factors. And then they narrowed that down to 20, and we were in the top 20. Uh, almost right away, we were number one in, the, in transactions, but we were also a fairly new project. Uh, and then they announced the top 10 uh, about two weeks ago, and we were in the top 10. And then now we're waiting on kind of some of the additional incentives, um, you know, one of which uh, that uh, has been given to other projects uh, you know, winners of this competition, the, the most valuable builder one competition was actually direct listing or direct investment from Binance. And so that's also, you know, definitely a nice, uh, you know, carrot to follow when you're a project owner and kind of seeing, hey, what change should I use? Um, and, you know, it's that made the decision fairly easy, like when it was just a comparison of not just cost, but how are we going to get our name out there? Those factors definitely do come into play when you're trying, as a business, trying to figure out where to go. And like, like you said, like the infrastructure of Binance allowed you to scale, uh, like rapidly with the growth of your user base and having additional like support for funding, marketing, et cetera, to then fund that development is actually pretty intense. Because like I come from a security background, like most of what I do is thinking about like 
how can things go wrong and how you mitigate those types of things. And from that perspective, Binance is, is usually a negative viewpoint. But what you how you just answered that is a reasonable boon for any business, assuming that, uh, like you said, they've come through with all of those things and the transactions have gone through and you have a roadmap for kind of being somewhat chain agnostic to help people play your game and then take their assets to wherever they'd like to take them. And I, I think that's, that's a reasonable stance of play the game. And then if you would like to sell or move in a given marketplace, based on your NFTs, we provide you with a bunch of different options to do that. And it seems as though Binance gave you the ability to scale that out really quickly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Like, like, for, like, Personally speaking, I'm not a fan of Binance from a security perspective or like centralization perspective, but that's that's a lot of good reasons to build a company around something and get bootstrapped and grow. Because if your main if your main goal is to basically grow a user base and a game, that all seems relatively reasonable, and probably a lot of other chains should take note to it. Right, and um, you know, and I think they've kind of proven through different. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm not necessarily, I, I am chain agnostic and, you know, we have announced uh, partnerships with Heiko Chain, for example, um, who we will be uh, uh, working with in the near future and in other chains that I'm actively working with now. Uh, and when it comes to Binance, I mean, they're actually the same way. Uh, Binance Smart Chain, I, sh I should say, they're actually the same way. Uh, you know, they, they're not for or against, you know, other chains as well. Um, and so they've been more than helpful in helping us to scale out and, uh, you know, giving us kind of some attention, um, you know, because obviously a, a lot of the transactions on Binance Smart Chain for a while were from our app. But, um, uh, but yeah, it, from a like you said, from a security standpoint, I think it's there's reasons to think that it's not as safe because there's, you know, the 21 validator nodes and who really is behind all of those and et cetera. And there's always theories. but um, when it comes down to it, none of that ended up being a concern for us. In fact, you know, now that we are going multi-chain, if anything were to happen, um, which I don't have any reason to believe it would right now, uh, you know, there's other avenues there. So um, I think from our standpoint, you know, that kind of protects us from that centralized finance smart chain uh, issue. Nice. I think it's a reasonable way to wrap up the interview. Uh, is there... Anything you would have wished we asked you that we didn't? And if not, like, where do people find you? How do people get started, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can follow us uh, on Twitter at, uh, at Blades Crypto. You can also join our Discord at discord.gg slash crypto blades. Um, we are working on getting the uh, server limit increased. <laughs> so if you're, if you're struggling now, uh, hang tight. Um, and of course, you know, you can, you can find our, our, all of our social media and more information about our project at cryptoblades.io. Awesome. All right. Thanks for having the show. I'm going to go, I'm going to go mint some swords. Awesome. Have fun. <laughs> All right. Later guys. See you, dude. dude, that guy, I can't look at that dude and not seeing Bon Jovi. How did you guys do that? How did you Bon Jovi keep it together? Did you see that guy? That guy was power. Did we that see him? Had... We just interviewed him. Powerful <laughs> hair. I got powerful hair. Bon Jovi, though? What's yeah, I don't bon know about Bon Jovi. You I think you're thinking. And I guess I see the old school Bon Jovi with like the long, like, 
Oh, I'm not talking about red hair. Maybe I'm not. I'm just. I don't know a lot about '80s rock. Obviously. Do we all look alike? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't look like Conor McGregor at all. No. Um, <laughs> I just felt a very '80s vibe. I felt like he was like gonna, you know. Um, I just felt a very '80s vibe from that guy. I'm sorry. So he had a lot of good things to say. A lot, of, a lot of good things to say. But you know, watch the interview, share the interview. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, cryptocurrency and gaming seem like a match made in heaven. You know, it's the old Ross Rachel going on they get close they get this close and they start to and then you know they're like ah no right that's crypto and gaming right now it gets this close and they, they kiss maybe they kiss and then they ah no nah, i think what you're seeing so, is a lot of experimentation and slowly building infrastructure that supports it um eventually it's like it's, it's an eventuality it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be deeply embedded into gaming all gaming in my opinion uh, but it's going to take a while to get it to get it right, and there's a lot of experiments trying to figure out how what that right is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I, arguably, I'm not, already I'm not saying exists. there's one. Yeah, there's not there's not one solution for it either. It's just like, how do we give people the ability to really extract value from the time and work they're putting into our games, and then how does that then reinforce them continuing to play our games? Like it's almost dangerous because it's gonna it is dangerous i think like it's very dangerous. really incentivize people to spend a tremendous amount of time doing relatively unproductive work that then also helps them sustain their lives right they can pay their bills they can buy groceries whatever but they're not doing anything that's useful to the world but on the other hand like there's a lot of people that or in shit scenarios that can make money to get them out of the shit scenario that they're currently in playing games. So like, I don't know. It's a broad ecosystem. It will be, in my opinion, like I think it's a very high probability that it'll be the a backdrop of most games over the, like in 10 years, it's got like, there will be some crypto value extraction associated with a game. So people can play it and either like exchange the things they earn inside of it or like make real money off of it. It's just so bad. It's so weird. Like growing up and seeing like witnessing, it's kind of cool now that I'm old enough to have witnessed like a supreme evolution in a thing. And that is gaming and how much it's changed and how different it is since I was a kid. And I just feel like that's now the old fogey. Like, do I really want to make money from playing Mario or do I just want to enjoy it? I feel like I just want to enjoy it. Yeah, it definitely yeah. defines. <laughs> certainly yeah. defines. This is this is slightly contingent upon the like the the mechanism design of the game and the economics, but like it's going to force a specific type of correct gameplay for any given game. And a lot of the joy of games is experimenting and playing around with how to play it that you enjoy. And when there's economics that reinforce a specific type of gameplay, and if it's multiplayer that then exacerbate that reinforcement, then you don't get to explore. You don't get to learn. You don't get to like 
do things. We've already lost a lot of that exploration with just online communities and multiplayer. Like you're not playing the game right. Go fuck yourself. Like I want to play around. Like it's playing. It's not working. And the more we make it work, the more it sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Like I hate to say, our our great friend, mutual, our great mutual friend, who I know doesn't listen to this show, uh, I'm just gonna call <laughs> him much. Bomb. He, uh, <laughs> when I first was introduced to Diablo, I was like, this looks like a fun game. I was like, this is this is dope. I'm gonna play Diablo, and I was like, look, I I used to be a wizard with a stick. Now I'm a wizard with a golden stick and a few zombies. Look at what I've done. And he was like. <laughs> You're shit. What you're doing is shit. You're not playing it right. There's there's levels to this shit. And I was like, what? And then in like five minutes, he got his like super demon ultra level class and beat the game for me with me. My character was basically just following him around, getting leveled up. And I was like, cool. And he was like, all right. So now that we beat the game, now we're really playing the fucking game. And I was like, okay, but I didn't get to do anything cool. He's like, no. You did all the cool shit already. Look in your bank account. Look at look at your skills. And I was like, I didn't get, I, but I wanted to do that. He's like, that's not what this game's about. This game's about racing to completing it the best and the fastest with the coolest magic. And I was like, I don't, that's not it for me though. That's not what I wanted to do. I just wanted to slowly make my wizard better. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> So it's just, I don't know. I feel like it, gaming has is, is changed a lot. And if you add the fact that you can get strict, make a living off of gaming outside of like the, the professional. It becomes work. Yeah. It, it's just, it's like, for example, like I can go play pickup basketball and know for a fact, I will never in my life, never in a thousand lifetimes be as good as an Olympic basketball player. And that's the way I look at these gamers. I'm like, damn, they just, they did it. They sacrificed getting laid and having fun to Did they though? Really, really yes. well, not in Japan. In Japan, I heard if you're a, a professional gamer, you poof, you could walk into the club and leave with all the ladies. But here in the States, it ain't working like that unless you got a Drake contract like Ninja. Okay, yeah, sure. I'm sure all the NBA players are just really not doing it. No, I'm talking about those pro gamers, states pro gamers. Oh, video gamers. Like, oh, esports gamers. Yeah, yeah esports. Yeah. yeah, they're not they're not pulling wool like they are like South, South Korea. Korea. Did you say um, pulling wool? Yeah, you never heard that term? Not until today. I've never heard of that. This to me. You never heard that term? Can you explain this to me, sir? No, I can't. Maybe, I have a good explanation for it. Like, <laughs> just, it's, just, uh, it's a phrase. Wait I'm a looking second. It up. You at one point in your life said, I'm going out there and I'm going to pull some wool tonight, fellas. <laughs> yeah. Is there an Urban Dictionary? Urban Dictionary. I'm doing it. Hold on. Pulling wool? I don't know where I heard it. Ooh. Maybe that's like something like the old new kids said. The old new kids? Just it said, yeah, pull wool on Urban Dictionary is to engage in sexual intercourse. The, this phrase is derived from the woolly texture of public of pubic hair. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's that's a go. phrase I've never heard in my life. Is that a is yeah. that a region locked phrase? I don't know, maybe. I mean the other the other definition of it is like to pull the wool over someone's eyes. Yeah, that's but that's, that's what I'm familiar with. That's not the context that I've like to go pull some wool in terms of like go out sex with somebody. <laughs> He's loving it. Interesting. 
Oh my god. Interesting. I know I'll be using it. I'm saying, hey, baby, you want to go out for a movie and uh, pull some wool later? <laughs> the euphemisms of of sex are endless. So you know what you'll say, right? She'll say, "But baby, you don't have any wool because you use a lawnmower 4.0." <laughs> <laughs> Complete Damn, circle. That was good. That just happens. That happens to you, audience. It wasn't even planned. (laughs) If the the three of you watching now aren't buying a lot more 4.0, then you don't have balls. That's right. I said it. They might not. They might not. They might not. They might be women. I got to wrap up from here. Before we wrap up, the next topic we're going to talk about is Simone Biles. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not going to talk about this. Way too, way way too controversial. Uh, So let's wrap it up. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Please become a patron if you like the show. As you can see, our production quality has gone up since you've become a patron. Patrons, and we have video content now. We have. We have an ever we have sponsors. We have an ever evolving background behind Corey. Uh, my mustache stays trimmed now. Hey, does someone want to guess what's going on behind here? Okay, here you. Okay, you do. You two don't get to guess. Okay, I will give twenty bucks of S and T to the person who guesses what's going on on this on this desk. First person, the first person that guesses what's going on on this desk. Is part of it is it because it's blurry? Yeah, it's blurry, so you can't tell. Okay. So like at least like what the item is, what the main item is on the desk. Mm-hmm. If you I'll give you 20. If you guess what it is and what I'm doing, I'll give you 40. How First person. Guess what you're doing. I don't know. I just made, I just made this shit up on the I didn't plan this. The main thing on that desk, Corey, is no, your, you don't get to guess. No, it's your unfiltered happiness from pursuing the hobbies that you enjoy. I have a lot of hobbies, and that is one of them. Can, can I see the boots on your legs at some point? I mean, hey? yeah, they're actually right here. To, we need to figure that out. It's starting to get really nice out, so I need to go. Oh, you're no, talking about, oh, about Corey's boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You unbox them, or you oh, know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. You guys know us. We do whatever we want. Corey got some. <laughs> Corey got some uh, boots. That he's gonna unveil to you guys. <laughs> Ken, and, Ken and I. Ken and I got Corey some boots. Is a story. I'm sorry for laughing in the mic that. Ken loud. and I were talking about shoes, and we started talking about funny boots, and then uh, Corey with boots, and that's how we have the boots. So there's so now they bought me these things, and I'm gonna have to wear them like chopping wood or something on the property mm. and we get an <laughs> we're gonna NFT. make an nft out of it he put it on that. uh put it on tiktok so we can use do host mesh do host mesh as the <laughs> background music and i'll record time, something and y'all can figure that out i'm not doing every, all that shit every time it says do host the camera switches but you're looking at it somehow <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure that out for those of you that don't know do host was a great song of the 90s uh which Who's taught everyone that? I don't know. Romstein? Romstein. Yeah, Romstein. Uh, but I do know Du Hoshmish Vistoggle because, uh, because of that song. So, anyways, join the Slack. Go to the Bitcoin Podcast.com. Uh, join the Slack. Okay. 
We're not just a bunch of slackers. That's not branding for Slack. This is branding for us, our Slack. Everybody's in there talking all the time, talking about super cycles. We're talking about chain link. We're talking about avalanche status. We're talking about uh, <laughs> just general crypto <laughs> idioms in there, crypto ideological primitives. We use big words in there. The the was it BSV chain halting? Like the, the the crypto, like the Slack lit on fire with some of the like outstanding memes and, and hot takes going on there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every time something happens that's reasonably impactful in the ecosystem, someone brings it to the Slack, and then hilarity ensues. Mm. People are guessing in the Slack what's on your desk. One person already. I shouldn't say people. One person. Uh, I'll check it out this. Also, here's the thing. If you listen to this show and you found I thoroughly enjoyed that podcast, it vibed with me as just a chill person that also happens to be into tech and money. And there's the coalescence there of those two things. And I like how those guys talk about them. They discuss it on a real basis. Nothing too, you know, you know, nothing too, uh, what do you call it? Exacerbated by the price. Nothing too overabsorbent and unnecessary market analysis because uh, and all honestly, a lot of these people are throwing chicken bones. Like 1% of the people that know what they're talking about are making money and not talking about making money. Uh, but I like the vibe of this show. It's three dudes, one with a beard, one, two without, you know, <laughs> you know, just uh, talking to crypto and hanging. You can put five stars on that podcast app right now. You can do that for us. You can say, hey, I like that show. I want to support other people so that they hear what I like. And I could talk about it. One random afternoon with a friend I take for lunch. Hey, I listen to a Bitcoin show. This is it. Put five stars. For those of you that don't like this kind of show and you want to hear stuff like, hey, the price is going to be $80,000, Bitcoin $8,000 by October, baby. And Ethereum's going to the moon. Ethereum, I'm telling you, $25,000 by November 12th. Ethereum is going to the moon, baby. Then listen to that show because those guys are fucktards. Um, and you can go listen to them if you want. If you ever want my personal predictions of what the price is going to be, then come get to know me in my personal life. But don't, don't I'm not going to be, ah, you fucking, uh, going to the moon. All right, that's enough for that. What's the next thing I need to promote? Obviously, it's NFT QT. Oh, not yet. Slow down on that. Slow down on that. It's NFT QT. We don't have a picture for it. We should, but I'm springing this on you, Alicia. I'd like to keep you on your toes. NFT QT is a new show that released on a network that we shut down, but we brought back up. Don't worry about it. There's a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> NFT, QT, <laughs> NFT QT is a show about NFTs because regardless of uh, what you probably hear a lot about, oh, this person sold a piece of digital sunset for, ah, nice. We do have the picture this person sold a digital <laughs> digital sunset for five million dollars. Oh my god! NFTs aren't all about that. NFTs are a very budding uh, new opportunity that Ethereum has shown the world. NFTs exist on many blockchains, uh, but they're the most popular on Ethereum. And NFTs, non fungible tokens, will eventually evolve away from being called an NFT. Some company, brand, or people will create a brandable thing, and then it'll be like Xerox or Kleenex or Charmin, or how people say, hey, you know, send a fax. Well, you know, it was a company, and it's actually called a facsimile. You know, shit like that. Um, what, what else we got going? What else we do? 
Oh, shout outs. Shout out to Zatsy Beats. That's Jesse's favorite person. Next. <laughs> shout out to Issa Ray. I love what you do, boo. I love it. Love the hair. Mm. Given the relevancy to the times, I should know who that is. I know she plays track, but shout out to her. Hold up. There's clues. There's clues in the Slack. There's always clues. In the Slack. Shout out to, uh, ain't that the girl who beats her husband? That's the girl who beat up Johnny Depp, isn't it? That's the girl who beat up Johnny Depp. Uh, shout out to uh, Osaka. Her name's not Osaka. She's the Japanese and black tennis player, and she's doing her thing. We see you too, boo. We see you too. Wait, go back one. Go back one. Go back. She's not just important because she's Japanese and black and a woman. She's more, she's, I'm, I think I'm digging a hole, but so you get it. She's a great bad. person. What are you talking about? It's not bad. I'm just she's giving shout outs. Next person. Shout out to Daniel and shout out to the lawnmower for a while. Shout out to Daniel. Shout out to That Daniel. was a good ad. It was. Shout out to old long neck and wide smiles. Zoe Saul Daniel. We love you, girl. And that's it for the shout outs. That's it for the episode. Join the Slack. Do the things. 20% off on the lawnmower 4.0 and other stuff. Uh, they sell lotion, too, for your nuts. Uh, play <laughs> lotion on our nuts. Corey, I put lotion on my nuts. Why? <laughs> to moisturize my nuts. You need moisture down there? Sounds bad. Sounds like a terrible idea. Well, no. You put moisture down there because, you know, sometimes you, you know, sometimes <laughs> you want funky. Make it make it funky. That sounds like a good idea. Well, because sometimes, you know, people love that. People love like old, sweaty lotions. Love that. It's good. Good. No, good place. Good place. It's a good place wait, for germs. Wait, I get uh, sometimes other unboxings occur. You know what I'm saying? Because I wear a box. <laughs> It's when you're fresh out the shower, bro. When you're look, this is a pro tip to all those young dudes and ladies out there. Fresh out the shower, take showers, take showers. Is, is when the sex has power. You know what I'm saying? All right, please. Jesus Christ, what is he?